Sean Mice here, and in today's training, I'm going to talk about the importance of rest and how rest impacts our productivity. And I'm, I'm going to go deep into this topic. I believe that the Lord has taught me some powerful things over the course of really my lifetime in business, but also especially the last couple of years about rest. And I'm going to share those things with you today. Before we get started, I would like to take this time to the Lord. Father, we come before you right now. And Father, I personally thank you for giving me this opportunity to share the things that you've taught with me in the past. You've, you've put a burning desire in my heart to share with others what you teach me. And I thank you for giving me this, this outlet, this outlet to be able to share your word. And so I ask two things today. Number one, God, I ask that you will anoint my lips to use the words that will impact the listeners the most so that their lives can be changed. God, that you will guide and direct my words, my conversation, that it'll come, it'll come through me, but it'll come from you. And, and secondly, God, I ask that you will anoint the ears and the minds and the pencils of the people that are listening today, that, that their lives might be enriched in some way, not necessarily by everything that I share today, but that something in what I share today that I believe is, is you sharing through me. God, that, that my request would be that you would share through me, that each person would get something out of this training today that they'd be able to put into their lives that would grow them closer to you and that would increase them in business and relationship. In Christ's name we pray, thankfully. Amen. So let's go ahead and get started. You know, why rest? Why rest? Why, why talk about rest? I think rest is an under-talked-about topic. I, I really do. I, I think rest, I believe that rest is critical to our success in business, as entrepreneurs. I believe rest is critical. I believe that one of the reasons we don't talk about rest much in our society is because there is a connotation in our society that the person who rests a lot is a lazy person. And in fact, even as preparing this, it's easy for me to wonder if I talk about rest for a half an hour, is someone going to come away from this call thinking, boy, I'm kind of a lazy person and I like to work too much and Sean just placed a rubber stamp on rest and the Bible talks about rest. So you know what? I'm going to go from resting half of my life to resting 90% and I just hope God blesses the rest of it. And you know, unfortunately, if, if someone were to take that attitude, their life's probably going to go down instead of up. You know, God, God created work. God created work. He created it for us. God was the first worker. When he created the earth and the universe and he created us, God was the first worker. God did the first work. You know, God, in creating the entire universe and keeping it going, God continues to work. God works a whole lot harder than we do every day. So, you know, God, God created work, and he's the God of work. I, I really believe that, and, and I get it. The Bible doesn't tell us anywhere those words. But I believe that God is the God of work. He, he created work. But what he also created was the flip side of work. He created rest. In fact, he created our bodies to demand rest. Now, this isn't going to be a medical um, you know, this, this isn't a medical training here. And, and so, but I am going to make a few statements that are obviously going to be unsupported. You can do the research. Our bodies require rest. You know, if, if you work out nine hours a day and you never rest, your muscles won't grow. They will shrivel up and your adrenal glands will shrivel up 
and you will go into a nervous breakdown or you will go into some type of physical exhaustion. You'll have some type of chronic fatigue, and you won't be able to get out of bed for two years. And then if you try to, you may even die of chronic fatigue, of, of massive over overwork. And, you know, we hear about that a lot in the sports arena. You know, people overtrain, and then they can't hit the baseball anymore. They overtrain, and they can't run fast enough to catch the ball, and they lose their contract. You know, is that because they're lazy? No, nope. it's because they overworked. They overtrained, and, and we see that with our physical bodies. Scientists will tell us we need anywhere from seven to nine hours of sleep, uh, depending on the body and depending on the scientist. You know, maybe one out of a thousand humans can legitimately go on five hours of sleep every night and never get sick as a result of it and never experience a reduction. But your brain, your body needs rest. You know, it may be easy for us to say, but you know what? I have plenty of energy. I don't need rest. I have all this energy. You know, that's the interesting thing about the human body. Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about this? Your mind and your body are hardly ever at the same level. Your mind is, 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 is racing. I want to work. I want to do more and more. Your body is just tired. Or your body's going, 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 and your, your mind is like, you know what? I just I don't have it in me. If I'm going to go, 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 I need to go play a, 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 a game of pickup basketball or, you know, pickup football because my mind is not here. Our bodies operate in cycles, and God made us this way. And I'm going to show you in the Scripture some passages that that will refer to this. I don't want to say that they're supporting passages. I really don't. I don't want to. I don't want to say they're supporting passages today, but I do want to say that they're going to touch on this topic. So again, I'm just I'm from the human perspective. It's obvious our bodies need rest. They cannot run 24-7, whether you're lifting weights, whether you're running marathons, whether you're using your mind. You know, you, you remember when you were in college and you studied like crazy the last week before exams, and, and it just felt really good. And then each time you finished an exam, a part of you just shut down. And how many of you got sick the week after your exams? Your body just shut down after exams, and here you are, you're looking forward to this great vacation after exams, and you're sick. Why? Folks, I believe your body just shut down. It was like going on overdrive, and it shuts down. So your bodies need rest. Your body needs sleep. It also needs rest and recreation. We know this from a scientific perspective. Okay, now, I want to tie this into the Word of God. And then what I want to do is I want to take this to the business level. And you folks know that most of the time I keep them kind of lined up. It's like two train tracks. I talk about the Bible, where the supporting evidence is in the Bible, and then I talk about the concept as it applies to our business. And I usually tie them together, and they're, they're kind of twisted together, and, and they all work together. I, I couldn't figure out how to do that today, whether I wasn't tuned in like I should be or Whatever. I don't know. Maybe my mind wasn't working, or maybe there's no way to do it. So today, two separate parts. I'm going to do the biblical part, and then I'm going to do the business part. And so the business part is going to sound a whole lot more secular than it usually does. I'm even going to give you some secular references. Okay? I'm going to give them to you. And we're going to do that probably for the first time ever on a faith-based call. I'm going to give you some secular places to go study. So just understand, in spirit, these two are, are designed to, to work together, and in my mind they work together, but when I was putting my outline together, I couldn't figure out how to do it. 
so you get them in two parts. Part one, the biblical portion. And so I'm just going to read you some passages. I'm going to comment on them, and we'll, we'll move from there. Let's start with the very beginning, almost the very beginning of the Bible. Obviously, we talked about the beginning of the Bible a few minutes ago when I said God did an awful lot of work. God was the first worker. He worked for six days. He made the universe, and he made the trees, and he made us, and he made the animals, and the dogs, and the monkeys, and the cats, and, and he made all, you know, I don't know how many stars there are out there. I, I think some scientists might tell us there's billions of stars out there. I can't even put my mind around billions of stars. I, I mean, how do you count to a billion? And yet, if there's billions of stars, that means there's multiples. And, and some scientists might even tell us there's billions of galaxies, each galaxy containing millions of stars. And then other scientists might say that the universe just keeps growing. And, well, God did all of that, and, and, and he's the first worker. So if you read the first book, the first chapter 2 in Genesis, you get all of that. God worked harder than you'll ever work in your entire life in six days. Genesis 2.2, 2. and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. Okay, so the first thing I'm going to say is the really obvious, the thing you may have heard in the past from other people. Look, if God needs to rest, so do we. Now, in some sense, that statement's a cop-out, isn't it? It's a cop-out, because God could have made us to not have to rest. He did make us have to rest. He, he commanded our bodies to need about a third of our life in rest. About a third of our life is spent sleeping. And my guess is about a third of our life is probably or should be spent doing things that don't require tons of energy. So God, in my opinion, God made our life in some way such that two-thirds of our life revolves rest or recreation. God, that's the way God made us. But if he had wanted to, he could have made us like some kind of perpetual engine. You know, like the automobiles we make today, you could run an automobile for, you know, 100,000 miles probably without turning that, that motor off for 100,000 miles. You just swap out drivers, you know. Now, at some point, it starts to pieces start to break, and you've got to change the alternator and the starter and the, the belts and that kind of thing, and then you run it for 200,000 miles, and if you haven't turned it off, you, the lubricant you put in it better be a 200,000-mile oil change lubricant, or, you know, hey, who knows, maybe there's some special way to, to, to keep it running and put new oil in while it's running. So, I mean, even our vehicles need rest, but let's assume that we could have a vehicle that can run 100,000 miles without stopping. We just fuel up in, in motion. We're able to – it still breaks down. But God could have created us that way if he so desired, but he didn't. And, and so for us to look at it and say, well, God needed rest, so therefore we do, that's a cop-out in some way. But, I mean, hey, come on. Let's face it. Let's take this from a cliché level and say, look, if God was the first worker, God modeled work for us, he modeled rest for us as well. So – in modeling rest, what did he do? He took a full seventh of his, his, his week off, a full seventh, a full seventh, no work on that day, none, no work, a full seventh. How many of us take a full seventh of our week off? You know, folks, I'm not talking about a Sabbath day here. I'm not talking about a Sunday where we just don't open our computer. I'm talking about a day where we wake up and we do nothing, 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 do nothing, rest. How many of us do that even 
once a year. Okay, now, I want to talk about work for a moment because, see, rest and work go hand in hand. And, in fact, in me teaching today, I'm teaching this from the perspective of the importance of rest to become more productive. I'm talking about rest, not from the perspective that God commanded it. I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Okay? In fact, yeah, let me just leave it there. I'm, I'm not even going there, although the, one of the passages I'm going to share has that command embedded. But I'm not going there. I'm just going from the perspective of if we rest more, we can become more productive. Now, I notice I use the word can be. If you don't work very hard and then you rest, you won't probably become more productive. But if you work really hard and then you rest really hard, you can be more productive the next time that you go into rest. So rest and work go hand in hand. So I want to take this passage, Genesis 2-2, and I want to talk a little bit about what God, what that passage says about God and work. Because God can not only serve as a pattern for us to rest, he can also serve as a pattern for us to work. What do we know about work from what God did? God's work had a defined beginning and an end. Think about that. God's work had a defined beginning and an end. On the first day, he started creating, and on the sixth day, he ended his creation. How many of us as entrepreneurs do not start our work with a clear beginning or a clear ending? We just kind of go through our day hoping to work on one more thing, hoping to add to one more project, hoping to get one more idea, and end the day feeling overworked. But what if we were to approach our day the way God approached work when he did work? What if we were to approach our day and say, you know what, I'm going to have a beginning to my day, and in the beginning of my day I'm going to plan my day? And then I'm going to do exactly what I plan to do, no more and no less. If I finish my day early, I'm going to stop because my day is done and I'm going to rest because my day is done. I've done everything that I needed to do. I'm done. I have a defined period for doing it. I have these eight hours or these six hours. And then I'm done. I'm not going to bring my work home. I'm not going to leave it hanging out in my mind when I come home. I'm not going to bring my computer home. If I do, I'm going to lock it in my office. I'm not going to, I'm not going to open emails tonight. I'm not going to answer questions tonight. I'm not going to worry about my clients tonight. My clients can wait until tomorrow. My clients can wait until tomorrow. This brings to mind, this is not in my notes, folks, so I have no idea how valuable this is, but remember remember when Lazarus died and Jesus didn't make a mad rush over there to raise him from the dead? Remember, was it Mary that said, Lord, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died? Jesus still took his time getting there for two or three days. Here's the thing. If Jesus had been there and prevented him from dying, he never could have taught all the lessons. Preachers today could not teach all the lessons that have been taught on Lazarus dying, Jesus waiting two or three days to get there, and then saying, if I remember correctly, Jesus said something along the lines of, all of this happened so that God could be glorified. Again, it's not in my notes. I don't have the scripture in front of me, and I haven't memorized that one. And so, you know, there you go. I believe that's the story. So if Jesus could make a dead man wait two or three days, can't you make a living, pestering client wait 16 hours till tomorrow morning? I believe you can. 
I believe you can. Unless you're a heart surgeon, and then if you are, you probably need a backup heart surgeon, because even then you need a break. I'm serious, folks. I'm really serious. At the end of the day, at the end of the six days, God stopped working. He ended his work. The Bible tells us he ended. It doesn't say he paused it. He doesn't say he took his work with him. He ended his work. I believe that's an entrepreneurial principle that we can use in our lives. At the end of the day, we've got to end our work. At the end of the week, we end our work. If we're working on a big three-month project, a big launch, when the launch is over, we end our work. And I'm not talking about not resting in the interim, but I'm saying when we do a project, there should be a beginning and an end. Many of you, I'm going to call you out here. If this doesn't apply to you, check out for 30 seconds. But many of you are struggling in your business because you've got 20 ideas floating around in your mind, and you can't pick one to choose to start on. Imagine if God had been that way. Imagine if God had been like, okay, you know what? There's 20 different physics laws, sets of laws that I can use to make the universe. They'll all work really well. But you know what? I don't know which one I should use. Imagine if God had been like that. He might still have never created the universe, and we might not be here. Imagine if God got to man and he was like, you know, all the other creatures I've made have had two arms and two legs, or four legs. And, um, you know, man should be better than all the other animals. I wonder if I should make man with eight legs, 12 legs, or, you know, maybe like an octopus, because then a man could get more done. And what if God was still contemplating his decision today? You wouldn't be here. I know this sounds ludicrous. Because we're looking at the past, and we can't reinvent the past, and God did it the way that he did it. But God could have made us with four arms and four legs if he'd have wanted to. He could have made the octopus the smartest animal around, and the humans could be the octopi, right? We could all be octopuses, and the humans could be have the intelligences of an octopus. God could have done that, but he didn't. He made a decision. In your business, you may be holding yourself back in your business because you can't make a decision. You've got to have a clear beginning in your business, a clear beginning and a clear purpose. God, if God created 20 universes, we don't know about the other 19, right? Some scientists might tell us that they're there, but, I mean, come on, as far as the eye can see, God made one universe, one set of laws that govern the universe. This is the one that we're exposed to anyway. Okay, so we, we don't want to go into any theology and science or anything like that. But this is what we have right here. God didn't go from the best we understand with 20 different universes, with 20 different laws of universes, with 20 different sets of physics. He went with one. So if God went with one, why do we think we can do 20? Choose one. Be really successful at one. And, and I'm going to pull secularism into this for a moment. Truly successful people, although they may have their hand in many pots, they may buy a piece of a company here, they may hire somebody to run something else, generally speaking, highly successful people have one big pet project. They may have hobbies. They may have an idea and they hire somebody to run it and they get credited for it. Most successful people, if you look around, have one big thing they're working on. And then they work on it for 20 years, they get bored with it, they sell it. They take five years off. They come back. They do one more big thing. You know, you could even argue, well, they've got 20 things going. Nah, they, they really don't. 
they got 20 people that come to one meeting or two meetings and they get a bunch of ideas and they go out and they do it. It's like 20 arms. The most successful people, from what I can see, are highly focused. So if you're not highly focused, you're probably never going to follow the path of a highly successful person. And it's easy for us to say, yeah, but I'm doing more, so I could be more successful. doesn't work. God didn't do it, and I don't believe that we should do it. I, by the way, I believe that, that what we're talking about right here is truth that God set in motion. For six days he worked, and then he ended work. A beginning, a work, he worked in a logical fashion, and then he ended his work, and then he rested. So, so an amazing amount of what we can learn right from the, the second chapter in the Bible. Let's move to Exodus now. Read, um, I'm going to read three verses, Exodus 23, 10 through 12. Now, this is now God commanding the Israelites on how to work. Okay, So what we've just talked about is God created a pattern for work. Now, this is God telling his people work. Okay, now, let's just read it. Exodus 23, 10 through 12. And six years shalt thou sow thy land, and shalt gather in the fruits thereof. But the seventh year thou shalt let it rest and lie still, that the poor of thy people may eat, and what they leave the beasts of the field shall eat. In like manner thou shalt deal with thy vineyard and with thy olive yard. Six days thou shalt do thy work, and on the seventh day thou shalt rest, that thine ox and thine ass may rest, and the son of thy handmaid and the stranger may be refreshed. All right, let's talk about this. Boy, talk about loading, loading a Bible passage with amazing value. Okay, so first of all, obviously in verse 12, we have six days you do your work, and on the seventh you'll rest. Same idea that God did, right? He rested on the seventh day. No more explanation needed. But if we go backwards into verse 10, six years shall you work, sow your land and gather. Six years you should work, and the seventh year let it rest. What if we did the same thing with our business? What if we said, you know what, I'm going to have a six-year plan, and I'm going to do a six-year plan. I'm going to set aside 20% of my income for rest. So at the end of six years, you'll have 120% of your average income set aside in a, in a resting bucket, in a resting bank account. And at the end of the six years, you're just going to quit working for one year. What if you were to do that? Now, you, you, you wouldn't miss any income because you'd have 120% of income to live on. And if you've already taxed on that, and let's say you've already tithed on that, on that and, and let's just say that that was just totally free and clear. You didn't have to tithe. You may put some offerings on that. You didn't have to tax on it. You'd even have a better year, the seventh year, than the first six. And you wouldn't have to do any work. You'd be able to vacation the entire time. You would have had a clear beginning and a clear ending. So instead of sitting back and going, every year, don't we do this, New Year's resolution? Right, We've got one more year to accomplish our life's goals, but we never do. What if you just had a six-year plan? What if you had a six-year plan? And everything had to be done in six years. And in the seventh year, you were just going to live off of the money. And you're just going to let the business go fallow. You might even just say, you know what, for one year, I'm going to let somebody else run my business. 
uh, just like the Bible says here, that the poor of your people might eat. So the poor people in the seventh year could just eat off the fat of the land. Maybe you could let some underprivileged, kind of like backup quarterbacks. What do you do at the end of the third quarter if the quarterback has exceeded, he's made all kinds of records, he has five touchdowns, we're, we're, we're seven touchdowns ahead of the competition. What do you do? You put in your backup quarterback. Why? Not because he's going to make three more touchdowns, just because he needs the practice. Poor guy needs some practice. Same thing here. You could turn your business over to some poor people. Let them run it for a year. Make sure legally you can take it back after the year. Okay? But, but seriously, what if you were to do that? What if you were to do that? You just walk away. Okay, so let's assume you can get over the preposterousness of this. I mean, you've put money aside. You could live off of that money that seventh year, and you get all this kind of rest. Let me ask you this. Let's take this to a next, another level. What would happen in year eight when you came back with a new six-year plan? You'd had all that rest. You had all that time to contemplate all the mistakes you made the last six years. How many of you have made mistakes in the last six years? You made a lot of them, haven't you? I have. But how many of you are going to eradicate them all next year? Probably not. Why? Because you never have a clear differentiation that says, I can reflect on the, on, on the mistakes of the last six years and start fresh. But if you've got a whole year to reflect on your mistakes, you can rewrite your mentality and do things differently next time. How many of you look back at the last six years of your life and say, I would do that six years differently if I did it all over again? I mean, we don't usually say six years, ten years. You know, how many of you look back at your last ten years and you're like, boy, if I could live it over again, I'd do it differently? Well, this way you could. You could do the next six years differently because you'd have a whole year to think about it, and then you'd have a solid plan for business. I believe if you came back and restarted your same business or you just said, you know what, let the poor people keep it, I'll start a new one, my guess is the next six years you double your business size, double your customers, double your revenue, you double everything, if not more than double, just by virtue of taking that year off. You double it all. Folks, that's the kind of wisdom that is embedded in the Bible about work and rest. But if we don't dig in, we don't see it. And we're digging in right now. That's what we're here for. We're digging in right now. And then it says what they leave, the beasts of the field shall eat. Even the beasts of the field get to get something out of your rest. So your rest doesn't go to waste. The poor and the beasts, the poor and the beasts are able to have an advantage out of whatever it is that you've built. But the real advantage to you is that you're going to come back rested, ready to double your productivity the next time around because you've got a year off. How many of you take a two-week vacation and you come back and you feel really, really rested and your, your work productivity for like the next month doubles? Imagine if you had a whole year off. You can. You can. If you follow this biblical model, you can. Okay, so now let's just go to the end of verse 12. It says that thine ox and thine ass may rest, and the son of thy handmaid, and the stranger. So the stranger meaning the person that works for you, the person that's not part of your blood. What does it say? May be refreshed. What's the point in all this rest? What's the point? That you may be refreshed. Not because it's some archaic law. Not because God is some, some horrible dictator. No. The reason is that you may be refreshed. 
refreshed. You worked hard for six years. And I'm not saying that we need to follow the six-year pattern. Folks, you could follow a three-year pattern and take a year off if you wanted to. You could follow a 10-year pattern and do nine years on and one year off. You could start following a pattern in your life that says six weeks on and one week off. Can you imagine what your business would do if you were to just work six weeks and take a week off? Yeah, the first time you did it, you'd, you'd be like, everything's going to fall apart. And you wouldn't be able to disconnect. The second time you did it, you'd be like, you know what? Because everything fell apart the first time, I hired an assistant. Now I don't have to worry about anything. And, and then this time something else falls apart and you say, you know what? I'm going to hire somebody to do that in the next six weeks. Somebody's going to be doing that so that won't fall apart. And then what happens if you did that seven times seven over the course of the year? You'd have, your, you'd have an assistant. You'd have an email person. You'd have, you'd have somebody doing all the parts of your business. You could almost take three months off, and the people that you hired would do your business for you, and they'd just write you a paycheck every, every single month. And you'd get paid, and you weren't even there. And then you'd be rested, and you could come back, and you'd be even more productive. Think about that. Could you do that? I believe you could. You see, rest forces you to stop endless cycles. Rest forces you to stop endless cycles. How many of you have endless cycles in your lives? You spend too much time on social media. You spend too much time responding to email. You spend too much time dealing with yesterday's problems and started instead of creating new solutions for the future. And you just can't get away from it because every day when you wake up, you turn on the computer and you spend four hours dealing with yesterday's problems. Folks, I've been there, done that. And occasionally I fall into that trap. But I thank God that I'm not in that trap anymore. Not to that degree anyway, not that daily trap. I still fall into it on a monthly basis. I still fall into solving yesterday's problems today instead of focusing on today's problems in the future. Even Jesus talked about that. I don't remember exactly what he said. Something along the lines of let tomorrow take care of itself, right? The worries of today are enough. Let tomorrow take care of itself. And maybe if my mind were sharper right now, I'd remember what he said about the past. Let the past go. Let the future go and deal with today. You see, in our businesses, we have these endless cycles. We open up our computer. We deal with two hours worth of email dealing with yesterday's problems. And then, then we're so mixed up in yesterday's problems, we can't solve today's problems. We get 15 minutes of planning for the future, and then tomorrow we start it all over again. We do that week after week and year after year, and that's one of the reasons we don't grow. Rest allows you. Rest forces you to stop at your endless cycles. Rest also focuses your mind, because when you get your mind off of the problems, you're able to contemplate solutions. You see, when you're in the middle of the problem, you can't see the solution, but when you get away and you take a break, you're able to move to the next level. You're able to work. Then you can work harder and get more results. See, here's the thing. Working harder won't necessarily achieve your life purpose. Working purposely will help you achieve your life purpose. Okay, let's talk about, let's take this to the next level. You, you may be saying right now, well, Sean, you're stuck in the Old Testament. You're stuck in the Old Covenant. Fine, let's move, let's move to Jesus. Okay, Jesus, New Covenant. That's Jesus. Jesus, New Covenant, right? Let's move to Jesus. Let's read Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 32. The apostles gathered themselves unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Jesus said to them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. Now, this is loaded. This passage is loaded with managerial concept. 
if you'll dig into it. I'm not going to here. I'm going to leave that as your homework. This is, this is loaded with, with amazing information that you can use. The apostles went out, and they worked hard. They came back and reported, and what did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? He didn't say, well done. He didn't say, look, Peter, you did that wrong. He didn't say, look, Mark, you did a really good job. Now, maybe he did, but it's not recorded here. What was recorded? Jesus said, oh, come on, come apart to a desert place. Let's paraphrase Jesus a little bit. You people are worn out because nobody will leave you alone. Folks, do you ever feel worn out? Nobody will leave you alone? What was Jesus' solution? It wasn't to work harder. It wasn't to focus more. It wasn't to eat more kale. It wasn't to eat more wheatgrass. What was it? Get away to a desert place. Folks, if you're going to be everything that God has called you to be, I believe you've got to get away to a desert place from time to time. You've got to get away. Sometimes that may be by yourself. Sometimes that may be with your wife or your husband. Sometimes that may be with the children too. But you've got to get away from the business. You've got to get away. Myself, I get away almost every single day for one to three hours. I get away every single week from one to three days. And my wife and I, and, and, and by the way, the one to three days usually includes my wife, so that's my wife and I. The personal time usually does not include her, but sometimes does. The weekly time includes her, and then obviously when we take big vacations, and that, that includes her. We get away. Now, when I talk about getting away, I believe I should be getting away more than I do. I don't believe I get away as much as I do. I'm just being transparent here to share with you that you can be successful, folks, and still get away. And in fact, me getting away, I believe, is one of the factors that leads me to be more successful. And now you all know that the Lord is the one that makes that success possible, but he's given things to do right out of the Word of God. One of the things he's given me to do is to rest. So I believe there's, there's tons of theology packed into this verse. You've got to get away. Go to a desert place. Go privately. Go with your family, but get away from the business. So I want to take this now to the secular level. I, I want to take this to the actionable level for you, where you can take action. Obviously, we could quit right now, by the way. I could quit right now. And, by the way, if I hadn't promised earlier that I'd get into this, I probably would, because the more I think about what I've just shared with you, it's complete. You can take the rest that you need and get out there and do it. It's complete. But I promised you, so I'm going to move on. I'm, I'm going to do this quickly. I'm going to do this quickly. I'm not going to explain everything about it. I'm going to give you some books to read if you want to dig into it. You don't need to. Again, what I've just given you is complete. If you'll rest more, your work will go to another level. I'll just sum it up with that. If you'll rest more, your work will go to another level. However, there is some secular teaching out there that's not about rest, but it's about a concept that yields rest. And when that rest is yielded, productivity occurs. I just want to share it with you. You've heard of it before. It's the 80-20 principle. I can hear you checking out right now. Oh, Sean's going to go on to that old drum roll here about the 80-20 principle. Please hang in for 10 more minutes because I'm going to give you revelation about the 80-20 rule. So we always talk about or we usually talk about the 80-20 rule is this idea that 80% of your results come from 20% of your time. And, and so the, the management philosophy of this is all about, okay, find out the 20% of your time that's most effective. Do those 20% more, 
more, get rid of the 80%, you'll be able to work less and get more done. Okay? And, and I have just summarized the philosophy of 80-20, productivity. I mean, that's it right there. And, in fact, I'll do the numbers for you. If you've got 100% of your day, okay, so eight hours is 100% of your day. In 20% of those eight hours, 1.6 hours, you're doing about 80% of the work that you do in your day. And if, you, if you'll do a time schedule, you'll figure it out. So 80% of the customer's lives that you change occur in 1.6 hours. 80% of the money you make occurs in 1.6 hours. 80% of the business that you grow occurs in about 1.6 hours. What does that mean? If you'll just get rid of the other 6.4, you could work 1.6 hours every day and help 80% of the customers and take home 80% of the money and have 80% of the business growth. Now, you may be saying, look, if, if I only brought home 80% of my money, we'd go bankrupt. We couldn't pay our mortgage. Fine. Don't work 1.6 hours. Instead, work 3.2, but only work on the 20%. That 20%, so that you're doing 40% of your day, which is 3.2 hours, you will have results equal to 1.6 times what you used to do, meaning that you'll have one point, you'll solve 1.6 more customer problems, you'll have 1.6 times more business growth, and you'll make 1.6 times the money, but you'll only do it in 3.2 hours instead of 8 hours. That's the 80-20 rule for business in a nutshell. Now, how does that apply to rest? The converse... The converse of this 80-20 rule that we don't talk about is the rest. You see, the business books, when I teach on 80-20, we always talk about, we talk about the 1.6 hours. We talk about the 3.2 hours. We talk about the 20%. We talk about the 40%. What we don't talk about is the 60% of your time that's left over after you've almost doubled your business by taking it to 1.6 times. And if you're 1.6 times it every year for a few years, you'd have like five times the business you do now. But that's the part we focus on. But the rest is what we don't focus on. But the rest says that 60% of your time, which is 4.8 hours, is now available for rest. What would happen in your life if you got to rest for 4.8 hours a day? Now, folks, I'm not talking about watching television for 4.8 hours. I'm not talking about playing video games for 4.8 hours. I'm not talking about reading your social media and, and spending time on social media and email for 4.8 hours. I'm talking about real rest. What would happen if you were to take one of those 4.8 hours and go to a gym every day? What would happen to your, your body? What would happen if you took one of those 4.8 hours times five every single week and took five hours and went and did your favorite sport, skiing or golfing? What if you were to spend one more hour every single week with your wife or your husband? What would happen if you spent one more hour every single day with your children, what would happen if you spent one more hour every single day walking around and doing nothing? What would all of a sudden happen to your productivity? Your productivity shoots through the roof, and it would have nothing to do with the 80-20 rule. Now, the 80-20 rule all by itself will increase your productivity in less time. You'll do more in less time. You see, time management used to be all about doing more in, in the same amount of time, doing more, crunching more, and getting more out of your day. Today is all about getting more out of less time. 80-20 does that for you. It gets you more out of less time. 
But the missing part of 80-20 is the break. It's the rest. It's the 4.8 hours after you've already done 80-20 squared on your business. It's the 4.8 hours that you have extra every single day. If you had 4.8 hours times five days, you'd have 29 free hours. The math's not right there. Something's wrong. 4.8 hours. 4.8 times five is... Um, 24, right? 24 hours. What would happen if somebody gave you 24 hours extra every single week and you couldn't use it to work more, you could only rest more? How would your life change? I submit to you, I submit to you in line with every spiritual teaching that I've shared with you today, every spiritual thought that I've given you, everything we talked about about rest, I believe your productivity would double again to another level because in that free time, you would get creative ideas, you'd get creative insights, you'd be more rested and focused when you came back. So the 80-20 rule would not only work all by itself, but then you would go to like another level because of the rest that's layered on. Folks, I'm not going to recommend these books to you. I will tell you that I have read these books and that they have impacted my thinking about rest. Have they impacted some of my thoughts about rest? Yes. Have they even, perhaps, have they impacted a lot of what I've talked about today? Yes. Are they required reading for you? No. Are they even recommended for you reading? No, not necessarily. But if you want to know more about the secular part of what I've just been talking about for like the last five to six minutes, put these books up and read them. I'm going to tell you what they are. Number one, it's the 80-20 principle, Secret to Achieving More with Less, by Richard Koch. 80-20 Sales and Marketing by Harry Marshall, Living the 80-20 Way by Richard Koch, and Essentialism by Greg McCowan, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. Essentialism, The dis- Disciplined Pursuit of Less. Now, before I tell you anything more about these, let me tell you, I, I did not screen these for some spiritual call, okay? There may be some concepts in these books that totally disagree with the Word of God. I don't know. I don't remember. I, I read things with a filter. I take what I can out of them, and I leave the rest behind. For all I know, there's some woo-woo stuff in these books. I don't even remember, okay? I'm just giving it to you from a – it's all a spiritual call, but this is just secular reading that will give you some interesting insight into 80-20, and essentialism will give you some interesting insight into rest. I want to quote from the Amazon – blurb about the book Essentialism. The way of the essentialist isn't about getting more done in less time. It's about getting only the right things done. It is not a time management strategy, a productivity technique. It is a systematic discipline for discerning what is absolutely essential, then eliminating everything that is not, so we can make the highest possible contribution to the things that matter. (laughs) Reading that might make you go, boy, this is a woo-woo book. I have no idea. I don't remember. I don't remember, and I'm not going to crack it to find out. The cat's already out of the bag. If you want to learn a little bit more about not doing more in less, but getting more of the right things done, then you could read the book and take the wheat, take the chaff with the wheat. Okay. Now, moving on, kind of going back to the spiritual. Where where are you at with this? Where are you at in your life with this? We talked about a lot today. I've talked about 80-20 productivity. I've talked about how I believe that rest is a huge part of 80-20 productivity. Rest is a huge part of 80-20 productivity. 
We've talked about what the Bible says about rest. We've talked about God's work ethic. We've talked about how God worked, how he began his work, how he ended his work, how he did his work in the middle, how he rested, how he gave us directions for working each week, each six years, each seven years. We talked about how rest forces you to stop endless cycles. Rest focuses your mind. Now the ball's in your court, folks. You've got to ask yourself, is this for me? Is this for me? Could this help me? Could this help me? Could this help me? Here's the thing. I believe that rest is a universal law. God rested. Jesus rested. Jesus had his apostles rest. Some of the original commandments to us were about rest. I believe that rest is a universal law. I believe that rest is a universal law just as much as physic laws and electromagnetic laws are laws. I believe that rest is a universal law. Jesus rested. I believe that when you rest, you get more done. And so as we close this up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pray in just a moment to close things up. But as I close this up, I want to challenge you to ask yourself, what can you do, what do you need to do about rest to become more productive in your life? Father, we come before you, and God, I thank you for what I've shared today. I thank you for the insights that you've given me. Uh, I thank you for all the topics we've gotten to cover today. And, and God, I ask two things now. I ask, number one, that the folks that are listening will, will, will not just take these notes and forget about them 20 minutes later, but they'll take time to implement rest in their life and that they become more focused and more productive as a, as, as a response to that. And number two, God, I would ask that, that any person that listening to the sound of my voice today would not be offended by anything that I've said today. If in any way someone thinks that I've stretched a little bit about your work ethic, if in any way somebody believes I should not have mentioned some of those books of the 80-20 principle and a spiritual call, God, that, that there'd be no offense. But God, that folks would just filter what I've shared and take it to you and say, Lord, what do you want me to get out of this? I don't agree with everything Sean said, but you're God, and what can I get out of this? And, and I ask that they would do that. Father, I come before you, and I, I thank you for giving us this time, and I ask that you'll bless each one of the folks that are listening to me this week, that you'll give them a special blessing, and that you'll give them a special revelation about rest this week. In Christ's name we pray thankfully. Amen. So, folks, as we close this up, my final call to action to you is, Take action in your life and evaluate where does rest belong in your life. Closing out, Sean Mize here with GodlyProsperity.com.